Well, if you have your Bibles with you today, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11. Um, I know that uh, in the few years I've been coming here and had the honor to be able to speak to you, uh, I've seen growth in the area of prayer and in the area of worship. I can tell this is an area where you've been contending in this, you've been learning, you've been growing, you've been moving more and more into what it means to be a praying church, and you've become praying people. And that is good, and I'm so proud of you for that, and I want to commend you for that. As an outsider who's just here once a year, I can see the growth in prayer that's taking place inside of this church. And that is great. You should be people of prayer, but you shouldn't just be people of prayer. This is what I mean by that. When you've gone into the prayer closet and you've encountered the glory of God, you don't leave the glory of God when you leave the prayer closet, but the glory of God goes with you and it begins to influence and it begins to affect the world that's around you. And the blessing of God that you discover in the secret place is a blessing that you're supposed to begin to lead other people into. The secret place is a place where you meet and you have intimacy with the Father. But it's not a guarded place where you're trying to keep everybody else out of it. As you begin to encounter the glory and the blessing of God in the place of prayer, don't keep it to yourself. It starts there. It starts with you having revelation of the power of prayer and the intimacy that's developed with the Father in the place of prayer. But now you're supposed to start bringing other people into it with you. Now you're supposed to start bringing your spouse into the prayer closet with you. You won't believe what's happening when I get alone with the Lord and I pray. I'm, I'm seeing him. I'm hearing him. My heart's being set on fire as I'm encountering the presence of God and he's speaking to me and I'm being filled with faith. Like my life is being transformed by the glory of God. You've got to come into the prayer closet with me with your friends, with your children, with other people. You're not just supposed to be a person of prayer yourself, but as a disciple of Jesus, you have a mandate to make more disciples of Jesus. So you're supposed to become a person of prayer just like Jesus is, but you're supposed to now, after you become a person of prayer, you need to become a person of prayer who makes other people of prayer. And so this morning, what I want to talk to you about is how to teach them to pray. And if you want to know how to make disciples who pray and are learning and growing into the things that the Lord's leading you into, we need to look at the way that Jesus did it. And uh, fortunately, the scriptures are filled with examples of how Jesus did it. And so in Luke chapter 11, this is what it says. He was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, Whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I have gone to bed. We all got a friend like that, right? I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, 
he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? On this simple teaching, Jesus begins to teach his disciples how to pray. And if we want to make praying disciples, we have to, just like Jesus, engage in the process of teaching other people to pray. It's not something that you're supposed to just be able to figure out on your own. If they could just figure out on their own, why would they be asking Jesus? There's a part of our prayer life that we do, we learn and we grow in it as we engage in prayer, but there's a part of it that we need to be discipled in. There's some information that we aren't born with. We need some structure and we need some insight into what happens when we pray and how we pray, how to persevere in prayer, how to persevere in prayer. I'm sorry, I can't speak. <laughs> it's a good thing I do this for a living. But there's, there needs to be some process that you're taking people through. And so it's not enough just to say, like, hey, uh, you know, here's a good book on prayer, read this. And that is a resource and that helps. But if you want to help your spouse grow in prayer, if you want your children to grow in prayer, if you want your friends, coworkers, people who are asking you, like, will you teach me how to pray? You need to understand that you are going to have to engage in the process of teaching them how to pray. And you look like Jesus when you do that. If Jesus had to teach people to pray, then we are certainly going to have to teach people to pray. And if you want that to happen, the first thing you need to know is that your prayer life needs to be the it. This is what I mean by that. Everybody has an it to their life. When you think about a friend or a family member, there's usually an association that you have with them. Like this is the it of their life. Uh, my wife just got a new job and, and so she's with these new coworkers and the one thing that she knows about this one person, their it, is that they, like, they, they call themselves like a foster parent to cats. And like that's their it. That's what their life is about. That's what they're talking about. That's what they're into. That's the association that they have with this person. Uh, for you, it might be sports. Like, you know, you know the person that, we're on the West Side State, the Spartans fan, right? And like, they're always rocking Sparty everywhere. I, I'm in Ann Arbor. We got, I see some blue back there. God bless you, sir. <laughs> but like, there's people like, that's it. They're rocking that big block M absolutely everywhere they go. They're still dreaming of the days of black and white TV when Michigan was a powerhouse. And uh, it's painful. I'm, this is group therapy for me right here. There's people, I know some of you, like you're into CrossFit. Have you ever met someone that, that it for their life was CrossFit? Yeah, you have, because it's all they talk about. And they try to get you to come and flip tires with them at five in the morning. Like, that's the it of their life. Uh, there's people who, the beach, we're in Ludington. I get why the beach is the it of your life. Like, I don't live anywhere near a beach. But my closest lake is Lake Erie. It is nasty. Like, nobody's it is Lake Erie and going and enjoying that. But you have people, you know, they've been living on the beach all summer long. And that's the it of their life. There's some other things, like really good things, like family. 
You know, people, oh, they love their family, and they were so invested in their family. They were a family man, a family woman. Uh, there are people who, church, uh, some of you, I'm sure you're here all the time, and you've been investing your life in the local church, and that's the it of your life, and people think about you, and they think about church and the way you serve. Uh, for some of you, it might be intimacy with God. You think of this person, and they know Jesus. And you're like, I know Jesus, but like, they know Jesus. And that's a good thing to have. When we look at Jesus, what was the it of his life? We might think it's the miracles. I mean, the guy walks on water. He heals people. He's raising the dead. There's all sorts of miracles that are accompanying his ministry. It could be the intimacy and the closeness that he has with the Father, the boldness and the authority with which he teaches. But the disciples, those who were closest to him, they saw the it in his life as prayer. They recognized that the love that he had for others flowed out of the place of prayer. They recognized that the intimacy that he had with his father flowed out of the place of prayer. They recognized that the miracles flowed out of the place of prayer, the boldness and the authority. They looked at Jesus' life and his teachings and his ministry, and there was this one thing that they were able to recognize that ordered everything else in his life, and it was prayer. You should love your family, invest in them. You're going to love them a lot better if you become a person of prayer. You should invest in the local church. You should invest in your community. You should enjoy the beach. I'm going to be enjoying the beach this week. And you know what? I'm going to enjoy it a lot more when I'm connected to the Father in prayer and I'm in awe and wonder of his creation and it becomes worship as I'm at the beach. All of the life and ministry of Jesus flowed from his prayer life. And so that's why when his disciples recognize that there's this one thing I want to learn from Jesus, it's not teach me how to walk on water. Teach me how to raise the dead. Teach me how to have boldness and authority. We get distracted by those things, and they're good things. But they knew that if they wanted to be like Jesus, the thing they had to figure out was how to pray like him. If you want to teach people how to pray, prayer has to become the it of your life. The thing that when other people look at you and they see what is the key to their life or what is this person about, it has to be prayer. Your prayer life is so much more important than you know. It's so much more important than we're going to realize in this age. But the day will come when we see the power of our prayer and we see the full fruit of our prayerfulness in this age and the generations to come and in the age that is to come. Make prayer the it of your life. And then secondly, demonstrate a life of prayer. Jesus didn't just say, hey, you should pray. He demonstrated a life of prayer to them. This is the whole setup for the story. It says that Jesus was praying, and when he was done, the disciples asked him to teach them how to pray. They didn't just make this up. They didn't assume he was doing something, but they're watching him pray. Something goes off in their head, and they're like, ah, that's it. He's praying and that's what's making everything else happen. You can't just tell people they need to pray. You can't just tell people that they should pray. You can't tell people that you do pray. Trust me, I pray. You know, I'm in the secret place, but trust me, I pray. Believe me. No, they need to see you pray. They need to know that you believe in prayer. They need to see a life of where they can't spend an afternoon with you and not notice that you're praying. 
That's why Paul says, pray constantly, pray without ceasing. This is the kind of life Jesus is living. It's not that he's always getting in the secret place and always going up the mountain, although he does do that a lot. But clearly, he's praying right here, and they're watching him, and they're like, how long do you think he's going to be praying for? Should we ask him now? No, no, sh- 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 here, come, here comes. Like They see that prayer is a part of his life. Model prayer for your kids. Model prayer for your spouse. Model prayer for your friends. They need to see you praying. Because if people don't see you pray, they're never going to ask you to teach them how to pray. You only ask people to do things that you know that they do and that they're good at. Like nobody has ever asked me, could you teach me how to get into the male modeling career? (laughs) Nobody has ever asked me that. I've had people like, so uh, you ever like, you know, got any tips for like, you know, how to do the comb over and kind of hide some of that? I'm like, well, here's what you got to do. Because you see people, you see the way they live, and then you ask them things that you think they actually know something about. So if you aren't demonstrating a life of prayer to people, you will never be asked first to teach someone how to pray. And then even if you decide, I'm going to teach someone how to pray, nobody's going to believe you. You won't have authority to be able to teach someone to pray if you aren't actively practicing and living that out yourself. So you want to teach someone how to pray? Demonstrate to them that you are a person of prayer. Now, not like the Pharisees where you get, are they looking? Yes, oh Lord, we bless your name. Are they still looking? Like, you're not trying to make it up as you go, but just demonstrate a life of prayer to people. And then teach them to pray. This is the hard part, especially when it's your kids. And I don't know why it's always so hard, especially with kids, but they always want to ask questions like, um, uh, well, uh, ask your mom <laughs> or ask your dad or ask your youth pastor. Don't we, don't we pay church staff to do this kind of stuff? Why are you asking me? You need to take upon yourself the mandate to make disciples of Jesus and a part of that discipling people is teaching them how to pray. Don't outsource it. Don't, like I said earlier, don't just throw a book at them. Say, hey, read this. I'm not against books. If you're going to have someone read a book, read it with them. Hey, let's go through a chapter each week. Let's talk about it. Now let's start putting this into practice, what it's saying about how to pray. I've done that with a group of guys. We spent like a year going through Secrets of the Secret Place. And every week we're reading, and then we're putting into practice and how we pray the things that we're reading about. So use resources. There's tons of great teaching, books, videos, all sorts of stuff on prayer. But don't just give people the resources. Actually engage in praying with them. Help them learn how to put it into practice. This is what Jesus does. All right, uh, you want to pray like me? I'm going to give you a model. And you know, growing up in my denomination, we recited the Lord's Prayer after the offering every single week. And I really don't envision that the Lord's Prayer was meant to be a, you know, something that we just recite like a religious incantation every week after offering. It was a model that Jesus gave his disciples that became something they would learn and grow in. And then they would learn how to apply that to the way that they're praying all the time and for all different situations. So, but if you want to teach someone to pray, start with a model. Make the Lord's Prayer. I'm sure Pastor Jerry has taught on the Lord's Prayer or ripple prayers or tabernacle prayers. There's all sorts of different models that you can use to begin to teach people how to pray. Just start with something and begin praying with people. This is how I pray with my kids. I have a 10-year-old, 8-year-old, and 4-year-old. And uh, we pray like all the time. 
Uh, and the way that I've modeled our bedtime prayer routine for them is we start like this. First of all, uh, we, we declare God's worthiness and our love for him. And when you're four, you, you're keeping it pretty simple, but I've been modeling. She would listen to me pray, and then I would help her learn how to pray. So like, we're like, hey, say, God, I love you. She's like, God, I love you. And uh, thank you for loving me. And so then it's like, you know, God, I'm so glad you love me. So it's like praise and adoration. It's Thanksgiving. It's, hey, what's something you're really thankful for today? I had chicken nuggets. All right, well, let's thank God for the chicken nuggets. And so thank you, God, for chicken nuggets. And uh, then it's like, hey, what else are you thankful for? Mommy. Yeah, let's thank God for mommy. Daddy's really grateful for mommy. And then we would move into a time of intercession. All right, let's pray for everybody in the family. God, would you bless Eason? God bless Brielle. God bless me. If someone was sick, well, let's pray for them. They're sick. All right, let's pray. God, would you heal them? Or, you know, whatever it might be. But I'm just teaching them this model. We start out coming when we pray. We acknowledge who God is. We declare his worthiness. We declare our love for him. And we start thanking God for different blessings in our life. And then we start praying for different people in situations that we come into. And then we close it by once again saying, you know, God, continue to make me like Jesus. I love you. Amen. Now, for a four-year-old, it took a while to get this down. Now she just prays it, and she's able to think of her own things that she's thankful for. She doesn't like chicken nuggets anymore, so now it's like ice cream or whatever it might be. But I just have been giving my children a simple model and teaching them how to pray and encouraging them in prayer. And when they start fighting during prayer, I'm you know, breaking it up. and like That's real life. That's how it goes. But if you're going to teach someone to pray, Actually teach them, give them a model of how to do that, and then engage in praying with them. And then prioritize prayer. Most Christians agree that we should pray. Most Christians agree that prayer is important and that prayer is powerful and that it changes things. Most Christians don't pray. If we're just teaching people something to do that we ourselves don't do, we're hypocrites. If we're trying to teach people to do something that we don't do, we have no authority and no anointing for actually teaching that. When you're teaching someone to pray, you have to begin to prioritize prayer with them. So this is what I do with my kids and my own family. Uh, we pray before every meal. It's a common place. You're gathered together. It's, you know, the whole family is together around the table, and, and we just pray. We thank God. Again, we kind of go through this little bit of a model. We're just declaring God's worth, our love for him, we're thanking him, and, and then we're blessing the food. Uh, pray before meals. We pray before bed every night. Like, even when friends are over, staying the night. And, you know, like, the temptation, like, oh, this is kind of weird, you know, like, these kids, they don't pray, they don't go to church or anything. I don't want to, like, force, you know, God on different people. Well, you came to my house, I want to stay the night, we pray, you're going to pray with us. I'm not going to make you pray, but we're not going to stop praying just because there's someone else here. And I still, even though I'm a pastor, I still feels a little bit weird sometimes. But that's okay. I'm not going to force it on anybody, but I'm going to continue to show my kids that praying is something that we do no matter what. This is a priority inside of our life. And so continue to teach your kids to pray. Uh, when someone's sick, 
Our kids know the first thing we do is we start praying that God would heal them. Uh, when someone is like, you know, discouraged, anxiety, or fear, we pray, God, would you come and bring comfort and encouragement to them? When there's a need that we have, we pray that God would come and that he would do this. And so through modeling this and teaching them, we've prioritized the place of prayer for our kids. And now our kids are continuing to just see situations and circumstances, and they just start praying. We don't have to tell them to do it anymore. They just know that they are supposed to pray. But this won't happen if you don't prioritize it. You have to not just teach them a model for prayer or how to pray, but you have to continually, daily demonstrate to them the priority of prayer in your life. Because if you don't do that, it just becomes more good knowledge that they have, but mommy and daddy don't do it, or my friend, my coworker doesn't do it, my spouse doesn't do it, whatever. It's just knowledge that you keep locked away, and, and that's it. You have to demonstrate the prioritization of prayer for those that you are teaching to pray. Pray with them all the time. Someone's sick, pray for them. You're teaching someone to pray, oh, they're sick, come on, let's together, you and I, right now, let's pray for healing over them. You're, you're, you're discouraged, let's pray for the encouragement of the Lord. You're thankful for something, let's go to God and let's thank him for this thing. Just at different times, like, you know, here at the beach, like, I'm really stuck on this right now. I'll be telling my kids, like, look at the splendor of the Lord and his creativity. Let's thank God for this. Just continue to, in everyday life, the situations you find yourselves in, continue to pray and demonstrate that and include people in that. And then lastly, pastor them through prayer. Praying isn't always going to make sense. There are going to be times of where you've been mentoring someone and discipling them in how to pray, and it's not going to go the way that you hoped, and they're going to have questions about it. Uh, so my son, a couple weeks ago, my wife went away on a girl's trip, so that means my kids get sick, right? Because I'm like, Dad, home by himself. And, and uh, so my son, he, he's, like, he's been vomiting, and he's like, oh, gosh, like, you know, and you just feel so bad when your kids are sick, and, and he's in lots of pain abdominally, and... And so he asked me as I'm sitting there with him, he's like, I prayed, why didn't Jesus make me better? And I'm like, oh. Because you recognize this is a moment where something can happen inside of his heart. We've prayed before and he's been instantly healed of abdominal pain and you know, like ear infections, things like that. And, and now he's come to a situation where his first response in pain is to go to Jesus and ask him to heal him, and it didn't happen. So what do you tell someone? Because this isn't just for kids. Your coworker who prayed for healing for someone, and it didn't happen, and now they want to know, like, does Jesus really heal? Does prayer really make a difference? Or my marriage still fell apart and I was praying. Or my kid still isn't following Jesus. Or I lost my job. You know, whatever it can be, there are going to be these moments where someone that you've been teaching to pray prays for something and they don't see the immediate answer that they were hoping for or that they believed and prayed in faith for. What are you going to do in that moment? You have to pastor them. So this is what I told my son. That sometimes when we pray for something like healing, and, and you know, was, I'll just keep the specific to healing because that's what he was going through. He said, sometimes when we pray for healing, Jesus answers right away, like when, and I pulled up the example of when it happened. 
I reminded him, this actually does happen. You have experienced this. You have seen this. You know it's real. Sometimes Jesus doesn't heal us instantly, but he'll heal us over time. So it could be tomorrow you're going to wake up and you'll be better. It could be a few days from now you're going to wake up and you're going to be better. But sometimes the thing we're praying for, we don't get it right away. And when it really hurts, it's really difficult for us to wait for the Lord and for his timing. But you can trust him. And sometimes he only heals you in the resurrection. And I've been talking to my kids about the resurrection. And so they know about that already. I said, I don't, none of us can ever know if Jesus is going to heal us instantly, if he's going to heal us over time, or if he's going to only heal us in the resurrection. But we do know this. He is a healer. And so we're going to pray and continue to pray for your healing. And then we're going to trust him with his timing. I don't know the effect that's had on him. He's just 10. It was two weeks ago. He may not remember that at all. But maybe he does. Maybe 20 years from now when he's going through something else. Because our life is going to be hard and there are going to be difficulties in our life. Don't try to teach the people you're discipling that Jesus is just going to make everything easy for you. Life's going to be hard. Following Jesus is going to be difficult. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be hurting. There's going to be losses and suffering that accompany this life that we live. But we can trust Jesus. We can trust Jesus. And we're going to bring all these things to him in prayer. Because even if we don't see the answer to the thing that we're hoping for, even if our pain and our suffering isn't relieved in the moment or even in our time here on this earth, the presence of Jesus enters into the room. And you will never suffer on your own. But he comes with you, he who suffered and endured all things in our behalf. He who's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. His presence is with us as we wait in the place of prayer. We're not just called to be people of prayer. We're called to teach others how to become people of prayer. And that's the next thing that the Lord's leading you into. Would you stand with me this morning? God, we're so grateful for your presence and that you speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us now? Holy Spirit, would you evaluate us and we ask you to come and to search our hearts and would you show us, is prayer the it in our life? Is prayer the source of our intimacy with you? is the place of prayer, our source to be able to love you with everything we are and to love our neighbor as ourself? Or have we tried to connect to some other source to enable us to do that? God, I pray a conviction in our hearts, a conviction in our hearts that drives us to the prayer room. Conviction in our hearts that causes us 
to continue to press in and to continue to go after you. That cause us to continue to elevate you and your worthiness, God. To the point where we will come and we'll prepare a sacrifice on the altar of our time and of our praise and of our priority, of our attention. We come and we make an altar and we lay that on there as the gift. And God, now we wait for you. Jesus, we thank you for the way that you've been leading us into being people of prayer. But God, I pray now, would you give us the ability to teach others to pray? God, the blessing that we've been finding in the prayer room, God, I pray that you would give us the ability to bring other people in with us so that they can receive the blessing too. God, we pray that your glory over us as we encounter you becomes so beautiful and attractive that others are wanting to come into that same place with us so they can encounter your glory as well. Jesus, I pray there's an anointing over this church, Jesus, for praying and for discipling people in prayer, for persevering and contending in prayer, Jesus, for hosting your presence in the place of prayer. Jesus, would you continue to pour out blessing over this house, to bless every house that's represented in this church. God, to bless every house in Ludington, Michigan. Jesus, in the surrounding cities, Lord, would you give an anointing over this house to be disciples of prayer who are discipling others in how to pray. God, for our spouses, would you give us the ability to teach them how to pray? God, for our children, would you give us the ability and conviction and your wisdom and leadership in teaching them to pray? Jesus, over our coworkers, over our friends, over our, our acquaintances, Jesus, in our neighborhoods, God, we pray that we would be so consumed with passion for you that we're driven to your feet, constantly seeking after you. It's putting glory over us. It's changing our hearts and minds. It's bringing power to the life that we live and the gospel that we preach. And it's causing other people to want that same kind of life. Oh God, would you give us boldness and wisdom in your leadership as we begin to teach other people how to seek after you in the place of prayer.